to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. I'm going to back up into verse 12. I know we talked some about this last week. Actually, I'm going to back up into verse 5 because I want to say just two quick things about it. Uh, One quick thing, really, about it. Um, uh, The contrast that we see here. Paul says, Therefore put to death your members, verse 5, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you also once walked when you lived in them. So he's making a contrast. As a Christian, this is who you used to be. You used to do that. If you still do those things, Paul's saying there's something wrong with your, with your walk with the Lord, right? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you assume that? Wouldn't you understand that? Logically come to that conclusion. If you're still doing any of these things, that means that you're still walking according to the course of this world, okay? Uh, but now you must put off all these, which are anger, and wrath and malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and you have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness and humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If, if, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We talked about that last week. How can we harbor unforgiveness towards someone when we are constantly going to the Lord and asking Him to forgive us of stupid, silly things that we continue to fall in? And we ask Him to show us grace and ask Him to forgive us. But when we harbor unforgiveness towards somebody, what we're doing is not being Christ-like. We we don't forgive. As, As Christ says, I forgive you, so you also must forgive. That's what Paul's saying here. But above all these things, the only way you can really do all these things is by this right here. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And then let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. This is pretty much of a quick little bullet point things, right, that Paul's throwing out there. 
He's saying, guys, this should be obvious to us as Christians. Wives, submit to your own husbands, okay? As is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, hey, snap up. Listen, (laughs) children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And then dads, fathers, don't provoke your children. Now, this is where the kids kids look back at the parents and go, yeah, well, don't provoke me, you know. Don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. The word discouraged means spiritually, spiritually disheartened or spiritless and disheartened. That, that, that would be a travesty if we as parents would ever bring our child to a place where they would become spiritless and disheartened. And that's what Paul's saying. Hey, just let's be, let's use common sense here. Let's put on Christ, put off the old flesh. This is how God would have us to deal with those that we are interacting with on a day by day basis. Our wives, this is what you do. Husbands, this is what you do. Children, this is what you do. Dads, don't do this to your kids, okay? Servants, obey in all things your masters. Employees, obey your, 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 your bosses. According to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart and fearing God. In other words, don't, don't, when your boss comes in, don't jump up real quick and grab a broom and start sweeping and look really, really, you know, take your water bottle and throw some in your hand and throw it on your forehead like you've been going for a long time and start sweeping real hard, you know, as your boss comes in and pretend that you didn't know they were coming in. I'm not saying this out of a personal thing, but (laughs) <laughs> we've all done it, haven't we? Where you want to be seen as something that you're really not. And so employees, don't just give your bosses eye service. When they're walking around the corner, oh, they're here. I've got to do, I've got to be kind to, you know, our clients or our, our uh, you know, customers. I got to be kind to my coworkers. Because the boss is around. If that's when you're kind to people, if that's when you're on your best behavior, you're missing something in your Christian walk. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't, don't just do it when they're around. That's called eye service. Don't do it according to the flesh. Don't be a man pleaser. But in the sincerity of heart, fearing God, one of the things that I, I, I noticed in, in the airline business since I've been back and, or since I've been in, and here's the one thing that I hear. Complaints. Grumbling. Complaining. I could turn on my Facebook site and show all the different sites that I'm on as it pertains to my, to my, uh, fellow workers, you know, flight attendants or, or, you know, other pilots. And you just see them complain after complain after complain and you get into an aircraft cockpit and you're sitting there and the captain is complaining about this and complaining about your company and this and that. Oh, it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. You know, how come they do this and how come they can't, you know, you know, become smart enough to do that? Why don't they do this? Why don't they rah, 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 rah. And they're just, I can't wait to get away from here and get over here into this other airline. You go, well, it's going to be like that over there. Quit complaining. Most of these guys are like 30 some odd years old. They're, they're young. They, it's like they haven't even really lived in life yet, you know? And I sit there and go, man, have you ever sat in a cube? A little 
six by six cube with no windows, you know, ever for a job? No, I've just always had to fly, you know, I've always flown airplanes. This is what I've done. Go, shut up. Just quit, quit your belly aching because you got a great job. Look at your office view. Look at what you get to do. Look at what you got. Stop it. This isn't a bad airline. This isn't a bad job that you have. Think about the alternative. You could be out of a job. You could be out on the street. You, you wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things. And, and, and I try to get back into these guys and, hey, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And then 10 minutes later, they're on their phone, you know, once we land, you know, complaining about something else. But, but if what happens is that if, if a representative of our airline gets in and sits in our jump seat, I've never heard anybody complain. Never heard a person complain about anything. They just, they're on their best behavior. All the checklists, perfect. <laughs> Everything is just absolutely perfect as if you're going through a check ride. And they are the model citizens. And you just go, you know, here's the thing. I mean, God has kind of shown me, Don, this is you too. Don't, don't think that you don't complain. My wife has heard me complain about things that they have done and things that just are silly things. And she's caught me on it and, you know, probably more often than, than I should. But here's the thing. Stop complaining. Live in such a way, and I'm becoming I'm a little bit personal here, but it's in all of our lives. We have those kinds of situations in our life on a day-by-day basis, don't we? Don't just do your job to be seen by men. Do your job because you are, think about it. We've talked about it two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. When we were talking about how your life is hidden in Christ and that you basically have put on the costume of Jesus. And so when you and I walk out of this building today, when we walk out, when people interact with us, when people approach us, when people come in contact with us on a day-by-day basis, what they are seeing is no longer us, but the moment that they know that you're a Christian, they represent you and your attitudes and your words and your actions as if that is Jesus himself. And so if that's the case, then do what Christ would have you to do. And I I likened it unto, listen, if you borrow someone's car, you borrow someone's car, hopefully you're not one of those guys or gals that will borrow somebody else's car and trash the car like it was your own. Run it dry on gas. Eat tacos in there and get cheese all over everything, you know. Whoops, there's some hot sauce on the seat. Ah, I'll get it next year when I clean you know, when I wash this vehicle, you know, and, and you don't take care. No, I think that most of us, when we borrow somebody else's vehicle, we really, really, really are careful with how we handle it. I try to, if I borrow somebody's vehicle or if I borrow somebody's truck or I borrow something from someone, I try to give it back to them really clean or cleaner than what I got it. And if it's something that uses gas, I want to fill it up for them. I want to give it back to them as best as I possibly can. I want to give it back to them better than when I received it. And and so here's the thing. Why do I do that? Well, because that's the right thing to do. It's just respect. It's respect. That's, 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 you know, honoring that person for allowing you to, to partake of something that's of theirs. And so you do. 
And so you give something, you treat something differently when it's borrowed. But if we can get that into our minds that the life that we're living here today, the life that you're living right now as you sit in your seat, it's a borrowed life. It's a borrowed life. The life that you live is not your own. If you're a Christian, you gave your life to Christ. Your life is now hidden in Christ. Your life is now in the costume of Jesus. And when you walk outside of the building, as we talked about it last week, when you go in his name, you go in his what? His character and in his nature is what everybody said, right? When you go in Jesus' name, go in his character and you go in his nature. Why? Because that's who you're representing. That's who I am representing. That's who we are representing to the world. We're representing Christ. Sometimes when we get home, we are familiar with our family. And so we might not treat them as well as we treat the strangers on the street. How many of you guys agree with that? I, 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 hopefully all of us. I think that probably all of us do. The old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Jesus, he talked about it. Listen, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country. What does that mean? That took me a long time to figure out what that I mean, because there's a lot of double negatives, it seems like, in that, you know? A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Well, if you listen to what he's saying, when a prophet takes a step outside of his own city limits, the rest of the, the areas that he goes, they honor him. Oh, there's a prophet in town. Wow, we've got a prophet in our town. But when he gets back into his town... They don't look, oh, hey, we have a prophet in our town. They go, no, that's just old Jim. That's just Jim. He's one of those weird dudes. He thinks he talks to God and speaks for God, you know? And and that's what Jesus was saying. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. I don't get any honor in my own town. I don't get any honor in my own city. Here's the thing. The same thing with, with our family. Sometimes we take for granted who we have in our family. Sometimes we take for granted those that we love the most. And I know that there's a balance there. I don't want to harp too much on this, and I know that there is a balance. It's good because you have the, the freedom and you have the, the relationship in such a way that you can you can speak free, much more freely with your family members than you do maybe with somebody that you work with. And so you might take advantage of that and, and really ram down on somebody. If somebody, you know, you know, you know, is walking too slow in front of you at work, you slow down and you let them walk. If you're in the hallway at home and one of your family members is walking a little slow, what do you do? Doubled palms in the back, right? Poof, you know, get out of my way, you know. <laughs> Kids just looked at mom. <laughs> They're going, do you see that? No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We sometimes take advantage. We sometimes take for granted our family members. And Paul's saying, be careful with that. When you put on Christ, even when you're home, you're wearing Jesus. You don't just put Jesus on when you walk outside of the walls. You remember me talking last week about Rick Skelton, you know, Red Skelton's uh, nephew, 
who's a Calvary pastor out in California, Red, Red Skelton, Clem Cadiddlehopper, you know, his, his nephew. Hey, remember I said that, you know, how many of you guys, when you woke up today, you put on the full armor of God. And at the Bible college that I was at out in California in Twin Peaks, every one of us students, we raised our hands because why wouldn't you raise your hand in a Bible college when a pastor calls you out and said, hey, are you wearing your full armor of God today? Did you wake up and put it on? And all of us raised our hand because we were supposed to, it seemed. It would seem a silly thing to not raise your hand. You didn't want to be called out. And so he gets us all to raise our hands and then he gets on our case and says, what in the world did you ever take that thing off for? Don't, don't take it off when you go to bed. When you go to bed, you're still a Christian. When you go to bed, you still represent Christ. When you wake up in the morning, you're still representing Christ. The life that you now live, the life that I now live, that we now live is a life that is no longer about us, but it's about Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but now it's Christ who lives within me. And so my life is now representing Christ on a day-by-day basis. Does that make sense? I mean, really, I know that I keep saying this over and over and over again, but does that really make sense to us? I, I, I don't want you to just hear me say it. I want you to really think about what I just said. Does it make sense that when we become a Christian, it's no longer about us? Does that make sense? It's no longer about me. That's a hard thing in today's day and age because our society says it's all about you. It's all about you. How do you feel? How do you, you know, how do you feel when people treat you this way? Or how is it and how is it and how, how do you? It's all about you, 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 you. You know, I, I remember somebody one time, I can't remember even what pastor it was that talked about the various uh, 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 magazines that were big and top magazines, you know. You know, and, and number one magazines through the years, you know. And at one time it was Life. Remember Life magazines? And then it went to World magazines. Then it went to People. Then it went to Us. And then it went to Self. You see the degradation? Hey, let's look at the world. Let's look at life. Let's look at the world. Let's look at us. Or let's look at people. Let's look at us. Let's look at me. It's about me. It's about me. That's what our society pumps into us. And you're weird if you don't think about you all the time. And so it's counterproductive to think as a Christian today according to the way that the world thinks. But know this. It's not something new. It's something that they dealt with back in this day. That's why Paul's dealing with this right now. He's saying, when you put on Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Put off the former man, put on the new man. You're now in Christ. You now are, are uh, what does it say here? You're now hidden in Christ. That's who you are. And so this is this is what you should look like. This is what the costume represents. This is what the new life that you and I as Christians is to look like when we walk in this world around us. It's not going to look like the world. You might be called weird. You might be ostracized. You might be cast out of the city. You might be cast out of your circle of friends. You might be become, you know, the office person that everybody, you know, looks at and kind of, 
you know, looks at him as a silly, dumb person. You know? Do you still believe in Santa too? You still believe in the Easter money? You believe in this Jesus. Come on. And they try to make you feel bad. They try to make, they try to, they try to, to bully you down to deny Christ. Well, my Bible tells me that there's coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. I just choose to do that today, not then when it's too late. There will be those that Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. I want to know Jesus today. And if I know Jesus today and he's come into my life, my life should change. Something should happen with my life. Something should happen with your life. Does your life resemble the world around you? Do you look very much like the people that you have at school, the people that you have in your offices, the people that you you walk around in the grocery stores with? Do you do all of the same things they do? If you do, is there a difference is there a difference? Is there, is there simply an insurance policy that you have safely tucked in your back pocket that says, Hey, on my death, I'm going to go to heaven. You poor, you know, jerks aren't. But I accepted Christ. I'm still doing all the things that you do, but I'm going to get to go to heaven at the end of the day. And you guys aren't. Are you sure about that? Does your life resemble that of Christ? Are you? Yeah, but Paul, Paul talks about it. He goes, or John talks about it. He says, hey, check up on yourselves. Examine yourself on whether or not you're in the faith. If your life resembles the world and that's all it resembles, are you mistaken? Has the real change happened in your life? That's heavy, but it's reality. Guys, I'm just trying to challenge you. You and I, when we became Christians, we put on Christ. And when we walk out of this building, when we're sitting in our seat right now, we're to be representing Christ. When I look at you, when you look at me, we should be looking at each other and saying, hey, this is what Jesus would look like if he were here right now. That's what he would look like. That's what he would say. That's how he would respond. Somebody says something wrong to you. Do you jump in their face and get in their grill and, and, and chew them down and back them down because you know what? You have no right to talk to me that way. Wait a minute. Is that Christ? Would Is that what Christ would be doing right now? Well, no, it's me. It's my flesh. That's what, that's what Paul's trying to get to. We've got to deny the flesh. We've got to get out of the flesh. That's what Jesus says. Hey, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself daily, take up his cross, and follow me. You've got to die to your flesh before you can fly with Christ. There's my little rhyme. Die and fly. All right, here's the thing. We've got to understand if we really if we really want to believe it if we really want to take the bible at face value if we really want to take what paul's trying to get into our hearts when you became christ your life was hidden in him when you became his when you became a part of his family it's no longer about you 
You look at a mirror. Don't just let it go. I mean, you can look at it and go, hey, I'm just, hey, I'm living for Jesus today. I don't have to put any makeup on. I remember Pastor Chuck said, hey, listen, if the barn needs paint. Guys, if your shirt's all untucked and your hair's all out like that and you haven't brushed your teeth, you got green sweaters on your teeth and you go outside, it's not about me anymore, it's about Jesus. That's not Christ. I mean, really, is that what you think Jesus would go out and look like? Do you really think he'd go out looking like that? What would Jesus look like? What would Jesus do? To be in to take on a different mindset when we walk in this world. Lord, what would you have me to do? If you were in my shoes right now, what would you say? If you were with me right now and, and I was standing right next to you and you were standing right next to me, by the way, he's not next to you, he's in you. But let's just, for the sake of what I'm saying right now, he's with you. If you're hanging out with him and you're walking into a grocery store or you go to your office or you go to your school, how you respond, what you say, what you put your hand to, where you take your feet to, where you where you go and you, you know, the people that you speak with, this people that you speak down to, the, the things that you say. Is that what Jesus would say? Is that what you would say if you were next to him? And you don't do it simply because someone's next to you. The idea is, is to allow that life, that concept of knowing that you are living for Christ and it's no longer about you to take control of your life so that you can live for Christ. You can live victoriously for him. Otherwise, you're nothing more than a man pleaser. You're doing it for eye service. My heart was broken a few years ago when a pastor that was a mentor of mine fell very hard. The first message that was given after he had been removed from his pulpit was from a pastor that also was a very good friend of mine. And his heart was, the one thing that our pastor blew it in is that he stopped fearing God and he feared you most. He feared you more than he feared God. And he goes, you might ask me why I say that because here's here's why I say that. If any of you were with him, he never would have done what he did. But God was always with him and he did it anyways. So he fears you. If you were around, he wouldn't do it. But if God's around, eh, I can do it. He feared you more than he feared God. And it should be a wake-up call to every single one of us. Do I fear God more than I fear man? Paul's trying to get into our hearts. Listen, you put on a different uniform, man. Life isn't going to be the same as you when you were when it, as it was when you were in the world. It's not about that anymore. You now have been bought with a price. You now have an objective. You now have a purpose. You now have a goal. You now have a command from Jesus to go into the world and make disciples. You're now the light of the world, Jesus says. You are now the salt of the earth. You are now those who are representing God. Go out and do good things so that when they see your good works, Jesus said, 
They'll glorify your Father in heaven. Why would he ever say something like that unless you're to be representing him and not representing you? It's not about you. Sometimes some of us need to maybe wake up in the morning and look ourselves in the mirror and say, it's not about you, and you say it until you believe it. It's not about you. It's about Christ. God, what do you want me to do today? You know, you can be humiliated in front of people. People can attack you. People can come down on you. People can bully you. People can say horrible things about you. But if you're living for Christ, it it washes off your back, man. It isn't about you. It's about Christ. Jesus says, listen, they hate you. They hated me first. But know this. If God be for you, Paul says, who can be against you? And if God is in me, the world can come down on me. The nuclear bombs of the world can come down upon me of, of, of embarrassment and of attacks upon me and upon my character and upon my beliefs and upon all of that. And it doesn't matter because if I have God, Christ living in me, I outnumber them. I outnumber the world because God is bigger than the world. Guys, we are the lights. Paul says, listen, when you go out, do the job of being a Christian. Wife, that means to submit to your husband is fitting to the Lord. Husband, that means to, to love your wife and respect her. Children, that means to obey your parents. Fathers, that means don't provoke your kids. Servants, that means do your job. Bosses, that means do your job. Respect people. Love them. Serve them. And whatever you do, he says in verse 23, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto men. (coughs) Knowing that from the Lord, you'll receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for the wrong with which he has done. And there's no partiality with God. And that's a very unfortunate paragraph or uh, chapter break. It it actually should, should break in verse one of chapter four. And then it goes on, it says, Masters, give your servants what's just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This is common sense Christianity, isn't it? If there was a message, if there was a title of this message, it could be just called common sense Christianity. It's not about me, it's about him. I put off my old former life, I've put on Christ, I'm now wearing the costume of Jesus as I walk out of this building. When people interact with me, they see Jesus, am I representing him? That's not just me, that's us. That's us, that's you. And so I would encourage you guys, Jesus placed the Holy Spirit in you so that you can be empowered to go out and live this life. Live that exact life that we've just talked about here today. Let's go out and do it. Let's impact the world around us. God may not have made you a pastor, but he made He made you you. And he placed you where you are right now to be Jesus to the people around you. Do it. Oh, but I don't have a job. You have a job of representing Christ. That's a big job. How you doing? Ask yourself right now, in your sphere of influence, your sphere of friends, your sphere of family, your sphere of the office, your jobs, how you doing? Do people see Jesus when they see you? If not, got some work to do, don't you? But know this, Jesus didn't leave you orphans. He gave you the Holy Spirit to help you to become 
the man or the woman that he wants you to be. And he'll, he'll empower you to do it. He'll show you how to do it. And he's not there wanting to beat you up. He doesn't have this big paddle in his hand and say, hey, come here. You finally recognize that you haven't been living for me. Come over here. We're over here behind the, the shed. Bend over. You're going to get it now. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus, man. Jesus will move in your life and he'll, he'll set you straight on the path. The question is whether you want to be set in the path. The question is, do you want to do what he wants you to do? I can't tell you to do it. Kevin can't tell you to do it. Your mom and dad can't tell you to do it. Your friends can't tell you to do it. Nobody can tell you to do it. Or we can all tell you to do it. We can't make you do anything. It's up to you. Do you want to follow Christ? If you want to follow Christ, he'll give you the power to do it. You want to live for him today? He'll give you the power to do it. Remember, life is not about you. It's about him. Common sense Christianity means that I am living for Christ because I may be the only Jesus that anyone in my sphere will ever see. I had two guys that I, I used to work with over in uh, that engineering firm. I used to work with Andy, SSR. And I've tried to get these guys to go to church. I still try to get them to come to church. And their answer is always the same. You wouldn't want the damage that would happen to your building if I walked into that place. The roof would cave in. said, I'd gladly pay it. Come on, I'd love for you to come. These guys love me. I love them, but they're heathens. They're heathen, heathen guys, man. They're, 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 they glorify the enemy. But man, I love these guys and I want to see these guys in heaven one day. They need to see Jesus in me. They're not going to come to church. They need to see Jesus in me. Your friends need to see Jesus in you. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.